Two Guys Talking Nostalgia Engine is here. And we need your help. Two Guys Talking has begun stockpiling reviews of great, classic movies, and we want to know what you want us to review. Access twoguystalking.com now and tell us which classic movies on DVD and Blu-ray we should put into the Two Guys Talking Perspective Review crosshairs and help us fuel the internet's best repository for engaging, nostalgic feature film reviews. Access twoguystalking.com and click any one of the Nostalgia Engine pictures. Tell us which movies you want right now. Action, horror, comedies, even the occasional rom-com. Access to guystalking.com. That's the number two, guystalking.com. The Nostalgia Engine. Ride in nostalgic style while you listen. Twoguystalking.com. S.H.I.E.L.D. It's an organization that both exists and doesn't exist all at the same time. For those in the know, S.H.I.E.L.D., the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement, and Logistics Division, is the counterterrorism and intelligence agency run by Director Nick Fury. Its global reach, with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe, continues to grow. S.H.I.E.L.D.'s activities have been documented for a long time, both in comic books and feature films. Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC, via Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast from Two Guys Talking. The mind is an incredibly powerful tool. The ability to conceive of great achievements, to invent incredible technology, the ability to generate layered storytelling that invites and showcases that from the past and the future, all at the same time inside the fifth season, 14th episode of a program issued from Marvel Comics. Strap in, lock down the halo collar, because it's time to extract another review of another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. A complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, as always, some quick housekeeping. Being paid to podcast. Nick, I know that you're already, you know, filthy rich for me paying you to come in here and podcast. That's right. Right. So what if I what if I told you... <laughs> uh-huh. You could be paid to podcast. Do your ears perk up at all? Shut your mouth. I don't need to shut my mouth because (laughs) it's a program that's coming. I'm working out the details now so that all of you that have an interest, a viability, or special skill set out there in the listening populace right now, start developing because it's soon going to be time to be paid to podcast. That's me setting the hook inside of something everybody should be paying attention to. Look for more details over at podcastrescue.com. More infinity and moving forward. I have to tell you that I have been captured by a YouTube goblin. A YouTube goblin? That keeps delivering me content (laughs) that's trying to spoil the movie. Oh, 
I love I'm that. certain that it's related to the Facebook goblin that's trying to eat up all of my secret data that keeps America together with all the secrets that I behold. I'm not, okay, wait a minute. You lost me with the Facebook goblin. As does everybody. Anyway, okay. there is a there is a YouTube goblin that keeps delivering my wall of and now it's time to watch this awesome YouTube content. And of course, it's all uber spoilerific for Infinity War. Uh-huh. And so, by the way, Mr. YouTube Goblin, I am not a fan. <laughs> so, please stop delivering awesome potential spoilerific content to Mike Wilkerson's mailbox. We Thank should, you coming. We should get a hold of Spider-Man cuz he has a <laughs> he has a knack for dealing with goblin-esque characters. Oh, he, let's my. see it's he's taking down the Green Goblin, the Hobgoblin, the demigoblin, <laughs> demigoblin, the goblin king, the step goblin, the step goblin, <laughs> all the goblins ever. <laughs> anyway, and uh, now the YouTube goblin. The YouTube goblin. My point here is that it's getting ever closer to Infinity War. So close. I've already bought my tickets. You've already bought the tickets. Outstanding. And you know, a lot of our listeners have already as well. And I encourage all of you to go and get your tickets early. Otherwise, you're going to be seeing it a week later. Let's just be plain. The fact that almost every theater has gone down from almost 300 seats in their largest theaters to now less than 150 inside yep, of those same yep. theaters because you have the big-ass comfy chairs, they want to give people space, but more importantly, the the position to be able to walk in front of somebody that is essentially supine is now what is happening inside of modern-day theaters. I'm not kidding. I can almost lay down <laughs> in a chair that I buy now to go and watch a movie. And I'm telling you, they make it really easy to get a great nap. Uh, yes, yes, if they it had, is I, true. I wish every movie had something really, really boring and really, really quiet on the front end of every movie, because I would get about a 20-minute nap during all of the the crap circulars. Are you telling me you movie. don't you don't sleep during the trailers? Don't you put on one of those sensory deprivation helmet things oh, yeah. so that you don't see I, any of those trailers? I forgot Mr. about that. Mr. Trailer Hater. Yeah, I, I just call me Joker as I provide my incessant laughing throughout the entire trailer series so as to not be spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell's wrong with that guy? I don't know, man. Every time he comes to a movie, he just sits there and goes, <laughs> and I don't know why. Well, that's why. I don't want to be spoiled. That's you're in, you're in you're actually in league with the YouTube goblin. You know that. I, I must be. That's You've got to be. be. That's got to be. It. Anyway, Infinity War is coming. We're really excited about it. We know you guys are too. So let us know what you think is coming. Go on over to our website over at agentsofshield.com. Fill out the quick web form, and I promise that I will open it up and read it in about a month and a half. All right. Enough banter. Enough goblin talk. It's time to jump squarely into our review of season five, episode fourteen. The Devil Complex, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu Streaming. Sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software, Blogger's Bug, and the St. Charles Office Center. Effects and a suit launch this episode. How about the special effects that launch this episode? I mean, seriously. I keep wondering where it's going to go, oh, look at the TV effects. Because we're not there, like at all. It's it's actually gotten better. Because watching it, I was thinking back to episode 100 when all this started happening, when the, the, the fear remnant things mm -hmm. would pop up. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember, and I could be wrong, but I don't remember ever seeing one form as 
as well as this one was formed. I mean, this was from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. From nothing. From nothing became of light becomes right. Yeah, a I don't. Rapier, becomes right. the the tubes and wires on the suit becomes the glass as it emulates into a helmet's mask. And that, I'm like, wonderful. Holy crap! Yeah, we're bringing in the astronaut. Yeah, I, I love this. I love everything that we see here. I love the rapier that's used. I love the intent of somebody swinging a rapier sword. Where the hell else are you going to see something like that? Yeah. And it's all exquisite, and it's done perfectly here on the front end to really stoke the flames of what's going to happen inside the episode. And it's it we'll come full circle back to this moment, by the way, because it really is important inside this episode, something that's conjured from absolutely nothing at all that has maximum impact almost instantly. A friendly conversation, then gunfire. This was also excellent super leisurely and then suddenly it is not super leisurely the ability to pull somebody into storytelling is all based on pace Mm -hmm. and i love how all of these episodes that we've gotten especially while being inside the fear dimension generated stuff have all had an exquisite pace pushing the story forward pushing the people that are watching it into the engaging storytelling that's happening the ability to do that to do it consistently and to keep on doing it is a rarity that we are blessed with inside of this show. Right. Uh, we talked about it a couple of episodes ago. I went back and listened to a couple of episodes again. And inside that episode, we we literally focus on the lament of even needing to consider the contemplation of this series not being around. Mm. Because I don't know what I would gravitate towards. It, it It's that thick. That's how thick the story writing and, and compelling storytelling engages me every single week. I don't remember the last time that there was a such thing as a must-watch, insert name of day, program for me. I don't remember the last time that Mm. that was. Even on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. being awesome on Tuesdays, it still was not that. Because I knew I was going to watch it some other time. I never watched it on a Tuesday night. It was always DVR'd something, whatever. But this has become now that I am totally cognizant that someone else is aware of what's going on before you and I are. And it's because we're not watching live. I don't remember the last time that I was engaged to that point where I needed to take awareness of that. And that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. That really is a good thing. Yeah. Yo-Yo begins her journey. You and I were talking about how incredibly disappointed we would be if suddenly the episode starts and, hey, look, it's Yo-Yo juggling. Like like an entertainer from the circus. With her new black arms. Wow, that's amazing. And now let's watch her run even faster because the coefficient of the less drag of her robot arms allows her to travel even faster in space-time. No, that is absolutely not what we get here. What we get here is something way more reminiscent of something that is the recovery of a fallen soldier, which is exactly what it's supposed to yes, be. Yes, exactly what we what I'm glad that we got. And again, I remember last week we talked about it. Mm-hmm. We missed out on Coulson learning how to use the robotic hand because mm-hmm. it happened at the end of season two. So when season three started up, boom, enough time had passed. He had already gotten through all that. We didn't need to see any of that. This is something a little bit more drastic. Not even a little bit more. This is something more drastic. Mm-hmm. This is this is a character who have lost both arms. Both arms. And when you take the sci-fi fantasy comic book show and you have your main character have his hand chopped off to save his life because, you know, it's going to be all eaten up from touching a 
Terrigen Crystal. And then you give them a nice, cool robotic hand that has a shield and uh, you know a nice little pin light and things like that. You can buy that, and you don't necessarily need to see the healing process. But with this, with Elena losing both of those arms, it it, it would diminish her injury if we didn't see it. And I loved this scene. Yeah. With this, her and Mac. Yeah, th- this scene, as well as the one in the previous episode with Mac and Yo-Yo, I mean, it's magic. Again, it's where you, this show is able to show me the pinnacle of what I think dramatic, casual repartee between two characters that really do care for each other. This is exactly what it's supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless of whom they are and what organization they are in. You're literally able to look and experience a conversation between two people that are absolutely adored with by each other. Mm-hmm. And that we can capture that, put it into the conversation process and workflow inside of an episode that we take in. Bravo. Mm-hmm. Bravo. A generally easy Shanghai. This is extraordinary because there are movies... Uh, I, I, will put, I will put Iron Man squarely in the crosshairs. It starts with a what is essentially a Shanghai moment. Mm-hmm. He doesn't actually get taken immediately, but you know, he ends up getting taken and he's taken to the 10 rings facility. So there's your Shanghai, but that develops over the course of 10, 12 minutes. Right. This one is minutes. Like I'm not kidding. I think it's three and a half minutes from what is going on to she's ready to be taken and they're pushing through to the next part of the episode. This is the quality storytelling that I'm talking about when I talk about pace referenced content, because it could all get mired here where we have to talk about the cool tech that's used to take down the the, the actual vehicle and then the gas canister that blah, blah, blah. you could have all that just be incredibly tech over the top and nobody cares or wants to listen to it. They don't bother with any of that. It's just done, shown. She goes into the semi tunnel. She's then jerked aboard the vehicle and they fly away and it's done i love that the again the the pace speaks to the quality of the programming spending time on stuff that matters as opposed to just showing you cool stuff because we're going to show you cool stuff also they set up the mystery of the episode right here as well Mm -hmm. daisy makes the comment when the ping goes off oh well evidently not all military people are as careful with their 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 phones Frequency or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we learned that the number was something that Piper had given our agents to help foster her way back into their good graces. Because, you know, she did kind of betray them without knowing that she was really betraying them. Yada, da, 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 da. But now this sets it up. Was this too easy? And it's it's something that's brought up throughout the episode until later on when, of course, you do find out yeah, it was too easy. Mm-hmm. But until that happens, if you're, and, and I'm not calling any audience member who watches this show lazy, but if you're paying attention, there are several moments leading up to that to where you wonder, is Piper still working for Hale? Did Hale do something nefarious to get herself put on the Zephyr? There are a lot of questions. Like I said, this is a mystery. It's the spycraft. You're supposed to be asking questions until, of course, you learn the answer. Mm-hmm. And I and, and it's the part. It's also part of the pacing. If you give the if you were introduced to this mystery 
and the pacing was off, you'd forget about it and you wouldn't be asking these questions. Mm -hmm. So when the reveal was, it was all part of the plan, you're like, oh, oh, that, oh, yeah, okay, so, so that happened. Oh, okay. Every time you and I talk about the whole, it was part of the plan, mm -hmm. every time we talk about that, I know we talk about it in a swaggering, finger pointing way. This is exactly how this is supposed to be done. Right. Every time that we talk about that inside of every single perspective review or something auxiliary that we do, this is what we need to point back to and go, this is how you do it. Mm -hmm. If you're going to have somebody get caught as part of the plan, well, then you got to make sure that it's paced like this. Because just as, and I know it's not the first one, but it's the big one. The Dark Knight is the one. Because obviously, all part of the plan is referring specifically to the Joker saying those exact words. Right. But the part of the plan needing to get captured to foster along the storytelling, that wasn't the first time that it happened. But it is something that will not stop. It, there, mm -hmm. That element will always be inside of storytelling. Always. When it is done, this is how it needs to be done. Yes, agreed. Do I or do I not see a framework character in front of me. And I asked myself this cloyingly because I can remember three or four episodes ago, you and I were talking about something very much like what we're seeing here, mm -hmm. where if suddenly I start seeing characters that popped up in the framework and somehow or another where maybe something was laid, we suddenly start to get the, boy, this smells like teenage framework. Mike Wilkerson, Daddy Brain is not going to be happy. All right. And so I asked myself this cloyingly, and I answered my own question. I go, yes, there's no doubt about it. That is Dr. Fitz. There's no, there's no two ways about it. There he is. Look at him. He's even got the part on the wrong side. Right, yeah. And, and that, that's when I knew it was came on. It's like this, somebody took the time to make him look like what he looked like. It wasn't just Fitz in a jacket. It, it, it is the character. And so that was Dr. Leopold. Yeah. Yes. That's where you have to start asking yourself what's going on. And that's the good kind of what's going on as opposed to, wait a minute, it's the framework. That's not what I was asking myself. I wanted to know what legitimately was going on. And that's where they wanted you as storytellers. And it's perfect. It's perfectly laid out. They set that up after destroying the astronaut because both Gemma and Fitz have that exchange of well, the astronaut's not my greatest fear. And Gemma kind of gives Fitz a sideways look, and you can tell Fitz is, is thinking exactly what her greatest fear is. Uh, well, it's me, evil. Okay, well, I, that's my greatest fear as well. So then we get this, and we get Dr. Fitz. And at this point in time in the episode, I'm like, oh, we're getting, we're getting serious. We're, we're actually going to have a legitimate fear. Yeah, sure. Hive legitimate fear, yeah, and could have done some damage, but it seems like this particular apparition really means business for some strange reason at this point in time in the episode. Now, of course, as we move forward, things get even more interesting. Yeah, yeah. A dueling fits moment. This is something that especially television can pull off wonderfully or can fail at pulling off. Mm. Having a tandem character where all tandem character means is that it's the same dude, except one dude is facing one way and the other dude or dudette is facing the other way. And they're having a conversation, essentially. 
it can all fall apart really, really quick. Mm -hmm. And the neat part about everything inside of this episode, none of it falls apart no. at all. In particular, this very, very first part. What, what strikes me the most is the fear that Fitz gives Dr. Leopold. Yes. The, there is an abject fear. And that had to be there because it needs to stoke the fire that is the fear dimension and the apparitions from the fear dimension. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. But it gets much deeper a lot quicker. And what yeah. you begin to notice is that the conversation that's happening between the two of them is longer than any character and fear dimension apparition has had to date. And that's where you really have to start questioning what, you, what you're wondering and seeing. And that's where I did start to get a little bit of the angry in that, okay, when are we going to see the corner of the screen that pulls the errant holodeck fixture look? When are we going to start seeing that? Because what the hell? Hmm. So I, I'm in. I'm absolutely in. Fitz has given me the acting that I need. I, I like Dr. Leopold in that he's super endearing. If you had him as a character on more, you're not going to ruin my day. Right. What I do not want to go back to, however is the framework right and so we'll we'll spill more onto that as we get towards the end of the episode because i don't want to blow the wide here but true, true uh at my point in time I, I never feared at any point in time during this episode that we were back in the framework or even dealing with the framework mm. uh, i was there with you when the whole giveaway of wow this is a really long conversation this mm -hmm. is usually an apparition is trying to kill somebody by right. now hey how's it going you got a sandwich now time to get it. now you die yeah <laughs> so i'm like could could this actually be has uh, behind the scenes while our, our our characters were in the future could somebody have found a way to bring characters out of the framework like we talked about mm -hmm. the end of last season yeah did we finally find a way? Did somebody, some nefarious bad guy, find a way to bring characters out of the framework and give them corporeal bodies? And I'm I'm thinking like, oh my god, could it could evil fit be the bad guy of this the second half? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm now on the edge of my seat at this point. I'm like, this isn't an apparition. Holy crap, what am I watching here? Yeah. And 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 again, I remained on the edge of my seat mm -hmm. for the rest of the episode. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Apparently, no scan for elements or explosives was made on Hale's vehicle. Very interesting. But the bottom line is that we get Mr. Absorbing Man, so I don't really care. It's right, awesome. well, yeah. The, all of the little touches that needed to be here, the vehicle lurching back to its normal vehicle stance, mm. loved it. The fact that we get to see him again, loved it. Uh, the fact that it's roped in through the chain of storytelling, love it. Right. Uh, all of these callbacks that lurch everybody back into the the front ends of other seasons instead of storytelling, I love all of it. We've we, we've hit the audience with that left and right uppercuts all the time, and I love all of it. Well, and it makes sense that because they believed that they caught General Hale unawares, that there would be no reason to do any of that. This was uh, this was a quick Shanghai, and it was a quick kidnapping. Yeah. So, again, really no reason to scan the car before putting it on the Zephyr. Mm -hmm. But had they... And, and Coulson even calls it. He even he even says, I jumped the gun. Jumped the gun, right. This, this, mm -hmm. was a, this was an op that I rushed way too fast. There should have been more planning, and it, it's on me. 
And I love that. Yeah. I love that a character will say, yeah, I screwed up. Of course this was too easy. Yeah. I rushed it, and it worked so well because they wanted me to do it, and they knew yeah. I would rush it. Yeah. The, the, inside the prelude to this episode, we were talking about a variety of other movies. We were talking about Ant-Man. We were talking about uh, Civil, Civil War. War. Yeah. And inside of those, you'll note that both of those films feature something that you just talked about, which is extreme ownership, i.e. I am responsible. Mm-hmm. Every time that that comes up, regardless of the character, in particular when it's a superhero, a powered character, it is super endearing. Yeah. With no joke in the word super being there. It, it it instantly gravitates towards thicker storytelling, especially when the character is somebody that anybody cares about at all. So when you insert Coulson into this position of extreme ownership, it's not that he's owning up to it. It's that you actually feel a piece of that being bestowed upon you mm-hmm. as well. And then you can go back. You're absolutely right. If I had been smart, someone would have whipped out a tricorder, done a scan of it before we brought onto <laughs> yeah. the ship, and everything would have been found yep. out, and we'd be further along than we are right now. Although, not really. Because let's say that they do scan. And this is how I got by it, by the way. Let's say that they do scan it. They whip out the tricorder-like or the uh, tablet. And they send in the blue bouncy drone thing like from Aliens. There you go. And they find, oh, hey, look, there's a a 4,000-pound dude in the driver's (laughs) seat. Oh, hey, look, it scans for at least seven uh, seven impregnated loads of C4. Hmm, red flags, red flags, red flags. Okay, well, you'd still have a jumping-off point for extreme drama. Right. And so score then, too. Yeah, yeah. So it works either way. (laughs) Then, the Russian? Wow. Holy shit. Yeah, wow. You and I had alluded to this mostly because of the Russians' ability to achieve what is almost what you were talking about, i.e. there is a brain, literally in a jar, in a jar. <laughs> that is now able to control a corporeal body that's going to go and do stuff, in this case, nefarious stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, here it is. I mean, here it is, dude. It, it's right there in front of us. And you have to call into question fear dimension or not fear dimension because is it going to just disappear and i love that we can do that and then the the pushing over the precipice of it's not again becomes it's taking too long he's not going hello how are you would you like some vodka i want to kill you right and i love that i love that we're 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 granted we're granted the gift of being able to experience the russian that is our verification that it is not the fear dimension. Well, I mean, for me, they were too far away for, for me to think fear dimension at all. But seeing the Russian started to confirm my suspicions that Dr. Leopold wasn't an apparition, but actually from the framework. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, holy crap. Repercussions from last season, right. from the fa- framework. You think you just unplug it and everything's fine. We'll, we'll deal with the emotional trauma, like Mac dealt with it, you know, losing losing out on hope. Mm-hmm. The emotional stuff will have to be dealt with, but there's no real physical ramifications, of course, except for the death of Director Mace. Mm-hmm. There's no physical ramifications of what happened in the framework. And then, you may, then I start thinking, au contraire, this is the framework coming to bite everybody back in the ass. Mm-hmm. But because this is a brilliant show and these writers know what they're doing, they take it even one step further that made me absolutely lose my mind. 
the less than eight second sleeper hold. Saw it and knew immediately you were going to bring it up in this in this review. I'll bet you did. For I was those... I was I was giddy with anticipation. <laughs> oh, we're going to talk about this later. Yeah, for those that have forgotten or didn't get to experience originally, the less than eight second sleeper hold is a piece of Jack Bauer room <laughs> that happened inside of the original Twenty Four podcast that actually started the whole Two Guys Talking podcast network. Now over a decade ago, good God. Uh... Uh, anyway, the less than eight second sleeper hold is. A truism, i.e. it is reality, it is truth. Mm -hmm. You can put someone to sleep much faster than that, actually. And it's great to see it here and also see it performed appropriately. The arms are in the right place. The pressure is put in the right place. The timing is appropriate. The activity that Daisy shows is totally appropriate. And I know everybody's going, my God, Mike, you sure are a son of a bitch on television programs. Yes, I am. Yeah. I absolutely am. And so when it is done appropriately and done right, I'm absolutely going to tell you guys. And this was done right. <laughs> then there was a restoration of Quake Powers. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And what what I love here, too, is that if if not for the number 14 being associated here, you would never know if this is kind of near the end where, hey, look, crumbs of Earth. Yeah. The only reason I know that that's not going to happen inside this episode is because we're in episode 14. Mm -hmm. So if you could somehow lift that piece of the equation, you would have something really, really interesting here. It's interesting either way. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and that the onset of quake powers, Daisy's fear of the quake powers being reinstated, but the ability to have a powered person inside the team I love it. I absolutely love it. It makes me want for the rest of the episode to get on with it. I love that. It's really well done. This I, I mean, this took me by surprise. I had no idea what Doctor Leopold was up to. Yeah, it's like what 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 is he finishing? What what is he finishing that fits can't? What is he doing that fits can't? I, I'm not understanding this. What's going on? And he's got a Dexter murder room set up. Yeah. I, I until he actually moves her hair back and says, "I'm going to remove the inhibitor." I'm like, "You're going to wait a minute. You're going to do something good." <laughs> exactly. Well, in That's my mind, totally because in my mind, having Quake get her powers back is good. Yeah, I get it for the show to yeah. where she doesn't want yeah. to get the them back. The only way to not have crumbs of Earth is to not have because powers. because totally as of right now, there's only there's two scenarios that are going on. It's either Quake's fault or it's the Rift's fault. Oh, okay. Well, I've never bought that it's Quake's fault. Never never bought into that. Right. So I'm, I'm not even thinking you, about that. You and I are on the same page there. I totally so I'm agree. thinking, Dr. Leopold's doing a good thing? Yeah. Yeah. And again, like I said, as we keep going through this episode, it's just one mind-blowing experience after another. Yeah. Personally speaking, this, and I loved the 100th episode. This should oh. have been the 100th oh, yeah. episode. No, I'm with you. I'm with you totally. The the 100th episode, if you put this on a scale with the 100th episode, this one's way more compelling. Right, yeah. This one is absolute it roller coaster. totally tips the scales yeah. completely. No, I, I totally agree with that. It is definitely a compelling episode. There's nothing wrong with it. But you put them on a scale, and this one just destroys right. episode 100. Fitz's cheese has slipped off his cracker. There are several things that come to mind when you finally get a glimpse of what is going on here. 
And the most important part is something that I will always love to gravitate back towards. And it reminds me of another perspective review that needs to get pulled off. And the perspective review is of that of a beautiful mind, hmm. which is probably uh, Apollo 13's close. Pro- beautiful mind's probably, it's definitely one of my favorite, my top two Ron Howard films. It is an exquisite movie made even more exquisite by the Ron Howard provided blu-ray commentary but and actually it's on the it's on the dvd too so if you have the dvd it's on there too mm-hmm. but both he and uh kiva goldsmith do a commentary that is they are beyond reproach because of the craft and detail that ron howard uses to make films that really does give me a lot of hope for what's coming in solo here in another couple of months mm-hmm. yeah uh taking and triaging whatever the hell was made that's a completely separate matter, but I know that Ron Howard has his game on. There's no no doubt in my mind. Anyway, uh, A Beautiful Mind, this is a giant spoilerific piece for people that have not seen A Beautiful Mind. So, if you haven't, here's your chance to pause and come back to this episode. So, for those of you that have stuck around, inside of A Beautiful Mind, what you have is the story of an incredibly brilliant mathematician who is also schizophrenic and i can remember vividly when someone would say the word schizophrenic my concept of that would mean oh you mean the people in the white jackets that get locked in the back Mm. and the fact Mm. is that there are people that we live with every single day of our lives that are schizophrenic and you just don't know it right whether they are medicated whether they are not medicated whether they are not yet diagnosed whether they are a member of society inside of the celebrity core because that's why they act strange and nobody's ever called them or asked them about details to try and figure out and dial down what the what the story is Mm -hmm. The, the fact is that there is no one definition that encompasses everybody that is schizophrenic in the story the mathematician his name is john nash he interacts with people inside of a variety of places Three, to be exact, if I'm remembering the movie correctly. Well, the, the neat part is that those are the ones we get to behold. True. And and really, that that's what I got out of the movie in general. What we find out later inside the movie is that the people that he's interacting with, and very much most of the circumstances of his time that he was in and teaching college, was all absolutely a generated schism. And I, I the reason this moves me every time I think about it is inside of high school, there was a teacher... Uh, We're going to be talking about him later this year. This year is my 30th anniversary of high school. And I'll be talking about him with my friends as we go back and reminisce. His name was Mr. Delacentry. Mr. Delacentry, while we were milling through the halls between bells, he would have full-on conversations with people that were not there. There was nobody standing next to him. But he would have full-on conversations where there was laughing and listening and, you know... uh, absolute reactions to people that just were not there. Mm -hmm. And so whether he was or he wasn't, I have no idea, but half the things that you see and can imagine inside of this movie are what I'm absolutely certain we're going on in Mr. Delacentry's head. And so I can remember when we would laugh about Mr. Delacentry and him and his conversations and that he goes home and he gets locked up in a straitjacket by probably himself or his imaginary friends that he's talking to. And while it was funny back then, it's terribly tragic because the jail, 
that is created by people that are suffering, especially from the type of schizophrenia that John Nash had, lead to what was his eventual ability to save himself by having a diet of the mind. It's a it's a line inside of the inside of the movie that I'll never forget. And it's just that those things are there. They are still there. I just choose to not pay attention to them. Mm. And being uh, being now a 47-year-old adult, I understand that there are things in my life that I absolutely cannot change or affect. And so I just have to be comfortable with them being there. And suddenly the picture becomes clear. And that's why I love A Beautiful Mind. Mm. That that helps anybody, regardless of whether or not you're suffering with schizophrenia, suffering with anything, you eventually, sometime in your life, will have to make a diet of the mind, whether it's not eating as many carbohydrates or giving up sugar because you're diabetic or uh, because you are schizophrenic, you need to now remember that the little girl and the friend from college and, oh yeah, the, the Russian spies that are chasing you, they don't actually exist. That is brought home here wonderfully and you said level up once i think it actually levels up twice we'll get to that here in just the next minute but that we finally realize that as we pan back out of the conversation that fitz is having trying to explain what's going on you suddenly realize he's wearing the rubber gloves that dr leopold had on because of course ding 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 it was time to remove the inhibitor from daisy's head and all of the silence that we've just left in there is the air exiting the room as we all realize it. And that same exit of air and realization is exactly what struck me inside of the second time that I went back to see A Beautiful Mind. Hmm. Because what happens, rather, the second time I watched it after I listened to the commentary from Ron Howard, because what happens inside of it is something I need to go back and watch inside of this episode, which is... Every single time there is a conversation happening, you have to remember, where was John Nash when he was having this conversation? Was he curled up into a ball, kind of just rocking back and forth to himself, saying nothing to anybody? Or was he actually standing there somewhere, having the conversation with somebody that was across from him that is a little bit taller with a hat on? Or not? Right. And that... That's the compelling storytelling of having that break where there is somebody else and the somebody else knows everything that I know because it's me. And, and that's magical. That is inside of a writer's room. I would have loved to have been around when somebody suggested this because what else can you do but sit and look around at the people that you're working with? And start fucking clapping. Right. No, exactly. I, seriously, what? how else could that writer's room go? Because this is brilliant level storytelling. I, and not to diminish anything from A Beautiful Mind, a, 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 absolutely an excellent movie. While I was watching this scene and realizing what was happening here, I took a more a, a horror aspect to it. I, I do live and breathe horror movies. I took it more of a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde aspect. Mm. Well said. The, the fact that all through this episode, they talk about their greatest fears, and Fitz's greatest fear is what he was in the framework because it was him. He, he says it over and over. That was me. 
all they did was just change things that happened in my life. It that's in me. It was it wasn't like, "Ooh, I mixed a magic potion and I drank it and I turned it into something else." That's the evil that is inside me. Mm-hmm. That is me given full reign to do whatever I want without any consequences. And that's something very very similar in most of the versions of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, especially the split personality uh, or the dissociative disorder as it's now called, Mm -hmm. as this scene unravels and you start realizing, because, yeah, it would be cool if Evil Framework Fits was our bad guy for another couple of episodes. Somebody, you know, you'd found a way to replicate people out of the framework. Yeah, that's cool, because I can believe it. It's, it's, It's our comic book show. But the fact that this is actually Fitz doing this himself without realizing it until later, of course, and then continues with it. Now the drama that you can draw off of this for your show for the next handful of episodes, hell, for the next season Mm -hmm. of episodes, Mm -hmm. leaps and bounds. Yeah, The sky is the limit. You could Mm -hmm. do anything with this character now. And I, I just, I sat there, my mouth just, just agape going like, and I was almost heartbroken because I, I, I think I could have dealt with Fitz having to overcome his fear, dealing with his evil self mm-hmm. out of the framework. But the simple fact that this was Fitz and it's, it is in his head and he did have a break, yet he even says later on in the episode, despite what I did, I still think it's the right thing yeah. to do. And I don't disagree. And, not, I, I and don't neither disagree. do I. And, and that really is, again, where... And that's the like scary thing. The, that's the scary thing. Uh, yes and no. I, I, I know for that... His char- for, for his character. Yeah, I, I've always looked at the black and whites of things like that as a very strange territory that all of us have to eventually go to. And we're going to get to that here in just a minute. A meaty withdrawal moment. What really helped hammer all of this drama home was there is a difference between me removing a pip from the clothing slash uniform of one Jean-Luc Picard, (laughs) where I would reach over with a set of tweezers and I would go, and it would pop off. That's not what happens here at all. No. I actually thought I was tired or something because I'm like, I don't- Am I seeing this right? I don't actually- what, What it looked like was somebody was- extracting one of our microphone booms from the studio out of the side of Daisy's head. I didn't actually know what was being done, and then it snaps to commercial. And wow. Wow. It's as meaty as it can probably get for a Friday evening television show. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's like black linguine and, and deep meat red sauce and... A bit of gore on the on the on the. It looked like there were several device. pieces of vine licorice covered in gore being slowly pulled out of the back of her head, and yeah. I'm like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. No, it, it it was it was it was singularly impressive, mm. and it really did help hammer home the point that this horrific thing is horrific, and mm. it's happening right now. Yep, it, it was it was spellbinding. Very well done. Talking tech. Gravitonium insertions is top notch. 
There's two things I always talk about inside of special effects. Everyone that listens to this program will be sick of it, but here they are again. <laughs> One, effects need to be simple and straightforward. doesn't matter if you're destroying a giant starship as it speeds into hyperspace through another series of other ships, blah, whatever. It needs to be simple and straightforward. It can be awesome and spectacular and all of those things, but it does need to be simple. You need to understand that this ship is going to go that way at the fastest speed possible and nothing good's going to happen and you're going to see the result. Yes, that is exactly what you get to see inside of that unbelievable, super detailed, oh my God moment inside of The Last Jedi. That is your simple effect on the most grand scale. Okay. Okay. The other, the second part of special effects is that you have to not know it's a special effect, i.e. what you are looking at is seamlessly integrated in what you are viewing. Even though it's fantastical, even though you know it cannot possibly happen because it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. It ha- you have to look at it and you go, I believe what I'm seeing. My mind buys what I'm seeing. Right. It's right. The, especially inside of CGI, it's what we all refer to when we talk about the uncanny valley. Yeah. The valley of believability versus the, re- the valley of what is. Okay, so now that we talked about those two things, let's talk about what we're focusing on here. And that is the gravitonium insertion portion of this episode. This is brilliant. Mm. It's so fast. It's so straight to the point. And what really gets me off inside of all of it are these tiny little smoke effects that they use inside of every single segment of what we're watching. It's super sublime it, it it's just it's there to sell it and it's done so efficiently that you can't quite believe it wasn't real mm-hmm. when i know none of that was real it was all cg generated there was they did not have something spinning in front of something and then <laughs> right. they were able to take some liquid and it all just worked out right it, it doesn't work that way i know that but when i looked at it it's all there it's all absolutely there and then on with the storytelling mm-hmm I love that. I love every single moment of what I saw with that. And that, if again, if I had to point back to this show and go, okay, every single show that's on television, when you do special effects, there's what you do. Yeah. If you can't do this, then don't bother. Write it out. Figure, figure out a way you don't have to show something and do something else. But if you can't equal this level, this speed, and this pace throughout the storytelling of what your special effects are, you are wasting your time. That's how good this was. And that's where we ask you guys, what was your favorite talking tech moment inside this episode? My God, there's, there's got to be. There, there could be a list of them somewhere. A, a giant list. Right. And, and that's where we ask you guys, what was your favorite talking tech moment inside this episode? Let us know what you think by going to our Facebook presence. That's facebook.com forward slash shield podcast. Chime in on one of the threads that's there or start your own and tell us what you think now. Who was he? It's a question that's asked both from you and I inside this episode. And I also think that it's probably the most endearing part of this episode. We've talked a little bit about it already. Mm-hmm. But the fact is that Dr. Leopold showing up was the man who would do what needed to be done. Right. And that's where you have to have a battle with yourself in that, okay, so... Dr. Leopold shows up, check. Dr. Leopold shows up and does damage slash bad things. Absolutely, without question. Dr. Leopold was needed to find the solution. Big friggin' check. Giant red pen. 
because this is what it took. There, there was a contemplation moment earlier in the episode where Fitz is, he, he literally is crumpling inside of his own self-dialogue. He's like, how am I going to do, how, what, what is the answer? I, I, I don't understand. Work out all the variables. Yeah, I must stay awake. I, I, I would love to sleep, but I can't because of the weight of the world's on my shoulders. Everybody has felt that at some point in their life. Mm-hmm. And what they do and choose to do inside this episode is to realize that you have to harness the piece of, in this case, yourself to try and come up with the resolution that you would have never generally taken on your own without incorporating the bad parts. I love that. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. It is the exclamation point on storytelling inside this episode and was almost my dossier moment. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, because th- th- this piece of the episode, there's no question. Th- the question is asked, you know, who, who was that? Who, who was the man that showed up when in reality, oh, it's just Fitz. It was not just Fitz. That's Fitz digging down deep to grab the guy that needed to be there to do what needed to be done. Period, paragraph, good, bad. It's all thrown out the window because the the deed's got to get done. And right. we need Dr. Leopold because Fitz is going to do it. Right. Because Fitz has a line. Right. And he will not cross that line. Right. And, and that is a great thing about in storytelling. If you handle characters who have a line and you handle them well... You can pull off really great storytelling. Yeah. I know before we started recording tonight, we were talking about Civil War. Yeah. Okay. Captain America. Captain America has a line. Oh, yeah. There is a line. We saw it in Avengers when he when he finds out that Fury is using the Tesseract to power what look like and basically are hydro, super tech Hydra weapons. No, we're not doing this. You can't do this. I'm not going to let you do this. Right. It's wrong. Mm-hmm. Winter Soldier. Hardcore. Three... Helicarriers armed to the teeth. Fear. You call this protection. I call this fear. Right. There's a line. He's not going to cross it. Right. And for a character like Captain America, we want that character to be that guy. We want him to have that line. I'm not going to cross it. We but need that, him at that line. We, yeah, we, we need him on that wall. <laughs> right. And sometimes we want to take a character that has a line and we want to see him cross it. Because it's interesting. You bend, you bend, and then it breaks. Yeah. And either interesting things can happen or it could get really stupid. Yeah. And luckily enough, we're in the Marvel Universe. This ain't stupid, man. No. This this is brilliant yeah. writing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's so incredibly well done because it again, we we've we've both talked about there being a level up and then a second level up. Mm. I, I think the discovery of what we have seen performed here is actually a third tier mm. in that, you know, you, you glimpse back at it. And in the last 12 minutes of this episode are such a, a tremendous roller coaster ride in regard to storytelling. Uh, it, it draws an even thicker tapestry of what is being conveyed, especially as we come to what is at the end of this episode. Yep. It, it's just, it's thick and it propels the next episode without question. <laughs> This stupid comic book show on Friday nights. There are two scenes inside of this episode that both are absolute dossier candidates, but I'm going to destroy them both (laughs) inside this bullet point because they were so incredibly deep 
and well-written and think of any dramatic movie that you've thought about in the last 20 years and now lift either of these scenes from this show Mm -hmm. and insert them into it and it works out just fine. Mm -hmm. And that's when you know that there's quality writing going on. The first scene is the Fitz and Simmons scene where... He basically doesn't know where we're going to go from here because... Absolutely. He agrees with his inner self, his darker self. Yeah. And there is no musical crescendo. No. There, There is no demonstrative hand and fisting claim of anybody in either direction. It is an absolute question mark because neither of them know, ding, 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 what is going to happen next. Uh, Fitz goes in onto his bed, turns around in shame. Simmons casually walks off as she bows her head down and goes out of glance into a blur. That that scene is magical. It, yeah. it is going to be yet another piece of the Emmy Awards that is not directed at this show that is criminal. Right. Especially especially all through the all through this scene, if you watch Fitz carefully, he's playing with his wedding ring because you can. For at least for me, I was waiting for him to take it off. Me too, me too. Because you there. can you can see him thinking about taking it off. Yeah, because I don't deserve He's to not be worthy. married. To, I'm right. not worthy. Exactly. Right. Right. And and you're waiting. If you're watching this and you're watching him play with the ring, you're like, he's going to take it off. Don't don't take it off. Do not take that ring off. And of course, he doesn't. But he almost does when he turns around and says, "I don't know how we. I don't know where we can go from here." Yeah. And turns around and walks away from it. The the tone of his voice there is just spectacular because as much as I would want to not overact how he says it, mm. I can't. Mm. I can't approximate what he delivers. And being able to find an actor that can deliver tonal, on point acting that conveys message without being over dramatic, I don't have to explain to you how difficult that is. I know. It yeah. is an incredible it is it is a craft. It is. As sure as you were taking a, a giant log and making that into a, an exquisite toothpick with a, a, a photorealistic Captain America on the end of the toothpick. That is exactly what that is. It is It is immaculate craftsmanship. The second scene that is absolutely just jaw-droppingly good as we get towards the end here is the Simmons-Deke scene. This one encapsulates everything I think of when I think of especially time travel mystique. Mm. You think about the conversations that could be had between characters that never really were able to have a conversation. The ones that I lament are something like a Sarah Connor, John Connor conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, And really any iteration of whichever of the ones you want to, whether it's the Sarah Connor Chronicles, whether it's any of the movie Sarah and John's, doesn't make any difference. Any of those where if there was some way to pause time, crack open a technological window and have a conversation with your mom and it's John and Sarah Connor having a conversation about whatever the hell they want to talk about. That's what I got from this scene specifically. And I love that neither of them, none of it is cute. None of it is that peanut butter and jelly conversation. There's not that little tin whistle background music that's going on. There's total endearment. There's where Deke, who is clearly not as smart as Simmons, realizes that he knows more about this than she does. 
and the conveyance that I'm trying to tell you something that you can't possibly comprehend until, of course, I get to the end of my series of sentences. Yeah. Uh, the, the cadence inside of this was great. And then the abject choice of vomiting at the end. That typically would get me over the what the hell was that moment, but it is totally appropriate. It, it, it's that it's that piece of suddenly you're now weightless, and so what are you going to do? And the answer is you're going to vomit. There's, there is no experience like the one that he just delivered to you, and so her reaction, terribly, terribly appropriate. I looked at it as as Deke, the character, the the man without a country character, because mm. he does not mm. know how to interact. Very well said. With what's going on here, all he knows is that all he knows is that he's realized the bombshell. These are my grandparents. Yeah, and they're hurting, and here's my grandmother, and she's hurting. She's she's a defeated mess. She has lost hope. I'm going to give her hope again, and that's what happens. Yeah, and then for me, the the puking. And then fade to black, for me, she's pregnant. Oh, my. So now, Deke's future is, in a, in a sense, solidified. Simmons and Fitz are going to have a child. Therefore, Deke can now definitely exist. And, it, it, uh, you know, I, I, September this year it will be 13 years that I have been podcasting. And the chemistry set that I set up every week with whichever host it is, whether it's Nick or somebody else, these are the moments I treasure. This reminds <laughs> me of that scene inside of Stand By Me where they choose to have a cigarette after the meal. I treasure these moments. <laughs> but this little chemistry set moment is exactly why I podcast. Well, because I would have never gravitated towards that. Not, not, well. not in a million years. And I find that even, I won't say more interesting because I'm not a fan of, and let's throw in a pregnancy. Uh, now, if it turns out that she is the actress is pregnant, well, that you got an even larger score for me. Well, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. But that's that's a very interesting lead that I would have never thought of. That's actually where we'll ask you guys the uh, terribly appropriately placed vomiting. Is that a bit of a nudge or is that a nudge <laughs> let us know what you think by going over to our website that's agentsofshield.tv click anywhere on the right hand side where you see the contact button fill out the quick web form and tell us what you think a mention of confederacy a potion and hail hydra wow just when you thought it couldn't possibly get more roller coasters slash would you mind building me another conveyance for the next series of I don't know 30 episodes well, here it is. This little segment alone with the tiny little piece that the general gives and an introduction to a character that we cannot quite make out who mentions a confederacy, who then, of course, says, Hail Hydra. I love it all. I love it all as sure as it was a series of cookies inside of a cabinet that I'm not supposed to be in. But you know what? Where's the goddamn screwdriver? Because I'm making my way into the cabinet and I'm eating all the cookies right now. Mm. It is spectacular. It is another. This is this, this is your fourth level up now as we finish the episode, and a slingshot to storytelling potential that I can't even wrap my mind around. Nick, the fact that this mysterious alien who who talks of confederacies. Hands General Hale a uh, a potion, <laughs> a, a particular potion that we've already been introduced to this season. 
I don't know how they're doing this. Because I, and, and anybody who has listened to our program knows that I enjoy prognosticating. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell is going on here. <laughs> All I know is that it has huge repercussions. We're talking about aliens. Mm-hmm. Hale, in this episode, talks about saving, protecting the human race as we know it. And now she's in, now we find out she's in league and evidently taking her marching orders from mysterious figures connected to aliens because mm-hmm. you don't get that potion at the uh, the Walgreens right. around the corner. Mm-hmm. You get that from those Cree bastards, mm-hmm. spe- specifically the family of Chrysanthemum. Mm-hmm. So we've got that. She's got Mister Russian's head in a jar. So they're working together Mm -hmm. so now we know how she got her robot army but what is going on as we get closer to infinity war Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i have to wonder because this show has has in the past been a reactionary show a movie happens the next week after that movie has happened this show usually has the repercussions of said movie especially if it's a captain america movie or a an avengers movie and then there was that second Thor movie, but let's not talk about that. How the hell is this going to coincide with Infinity War? Or is it? You know, this this could be the very first time that uh, an epic movie happens and the show doesn't react to it, which I think is a huge mistake. Even though I've kept on saying that the shows and the movies need to be more tied together, it would be a huge mistake not... I mean, this is Infinity War. You've got Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., fifth season, already reached its 100th episode. Uh, it's kind of a no-brainer that something needs to cross over. Or at least bleed over. But we've got an alien... In my mind, we've got alien invasion happening, imminent. Mm-hmm. But is it good aliens, bad aliens? Is Hale in league with people who are going to try to keep the Kree away? Is she in league with the Kree and not realize that they're going to screw her Mm -hmm. and take over Earth or create crumbs of Earth? It's these questions that I love asking because I don't know what to think. And it makes moving forward on this show a complete mystery. We're already able to dialogue the the run to infinity, including... Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes detailed by season by number. Mm -hmm. So in the run up, there have been probably four, six postings that I've seen where someone says they're watching season blah episode whatever Mm -hmm. of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in prelude to Infinity War. Okay, so we already know that there are either pieces, parts of a season that can be pie wedged into the full pie. Right, right. that, That is the run up to Infinity so if you can do that, I I understand none of the benefit of not having them not even uh, not just significantly cross over, but having elements that are generated here inside of something that will be propelled inside of a feature film. Mm. And they've already got the two the next two very deep in detail. In fact, if we if we cross other properties, they've got the next three feature films all done because they've got Infinity War. They've got Ant-Man 2 reprisal, the Ant-Man Ant-Man and, and Wasp. Wasp, right? Then they've got, we know that they've at least got 
the the next whatever Infinity War two is going to be called, not Infinity War. Right, right. But we know that the, those three movies are in place, so that anything that could be generated from now until the launch of the run of Infinity War moviness, all of that could happen right here inside of this series, mm-hmm. and it would be terribly appropriate. For all we know, the crumbs of Earth are actually caused by super duper man with the purple face. Yeah, which I if, think is is it would be a brilliant if, stroke. It's it, Thanos won. Right. If no one were able to get word that Thanos was in town of the team of superheroes that are the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And it just so happens that Daisy and what we saw on surveillance camera happened along the same lines of time that Thanos wins the Infinity War before the prelude of the launch of whatever the hell is going to happen after right, Infinity right, War. Right, 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 yeah. Okay, well, maybe one of the consequences is, oh, hey, Earth, ding, and crumbs of Earth for you. Okay, well, if the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. don't know any of that, and the last thing that they saw was Daisy shaking baking, okay, well, they have to draw a conclusion from somewhere, mm-hmm. and they don't have any information about what's going on with Thanos and whatever the hell's going on in Infinity yeah, War yeah, yeah. because they're not up there helping. That makes a lot of sense. The, 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 the gist, though, is that all the pieces, parts that could be laid and then somehow, you know, Lego parted into what can happen inside of the storytelling, it's all here. Mm-hmm. All of it is here. It's where you could have the instant layup of what happens here on the smaller HD screen propels into the larger silver screen. And then again, backwards, as it does provide us some reactionary force inside of a full season of season six Mm. of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's what I'm talking about. There's no there can't be a reason to take the testicles off of this program because it's it's underperforming. No, no. I, I don't know how you look at especially this episode if not this whole season mm-hmm. and go this this season is just not performing well that's crap absolute crap we now are running long uh, inside of this Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast capture we will be right back The history of hostage and crisis negotiation is filled with action, danger, emotion, and perspective. Be sure to learn more about the history of hostage and crisis negotiation inside Crisis Cops, the evolution of hostage negotiations in America. Order it now at twoguystalking.com slash crisis cops. That's twoguystalking.com slash crisis cops. The Two Guys Talking Podcast Bug, a truly original autonomous mobile recording solution. Get bit by the podcast bug. www.podcastbug.com It doesn't always come fast, but it's always free. Join Officer Tommy Model and learn more about vital building blocks when it comes to security and law enforcement during the Free Field Training Podcast. FreeFieldTrainingPodcast.com That's FreeFieldTrainingPodcast.com Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. 
Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Everyone, welcome back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete detailed and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., this time Season 5, Episode 14, The Devil Complex. Every time we come back from break, it's time to crack open our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. The S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers are where Nick and I find an interesting actor portrayal a twisty turn inside of a scene or something else inside of an episode that trips our collective review night. Fantastic. Nick, what have you got? Now, normally because of its attachment to horror, I would crack open my shield dossier and it'd be filled with Dr. Leopold and the complexity of all that. But you know what? We talked a lot about that during the episode. Great. So I'm not going to waste my time talking about that. We've already done that. <laughs> okay. So instead, I'm going to take a nice quiet moment. All right. Something that touched me in the episode, and it was early on in the episode. My S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier is filled with Mac and Yo-Yo. More specifically, the first scene with the two characters mm-hmm. while they're while, while Yo-Yo is rehabbing. working on her rehab and mm-hmm. trying to... Uh, Make the make the fingers move, mm-hmm. and and she's in pain. Mm-hmm. They have this great conversation about who's who who's protecting who and who's looking out for who. And there was this subtle moment where Mac actually reaches out to touch Yo Yo's hand, to, to basically say it's it's going to be okay. We can be each other's rocks. But then he notices, oh, I there's nothing there for me to grab onto, and yet he does not falter in continuing his uplifting, I've got you, you lift me up, I lift you up, it doesn't matter who has arms, we're Mm going to get through this together. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was just the minutia of that that move. They didn't pan down to make it, to to see an empty hand grasping out to air. They didn't do anything like that. Mm -hmm. It was nice and subtle. And the fact that the two actors could pull a subtle reaction like that off and then also pull on my heartstrings, well, of course, that's got to be in my S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned heartstrings here because I've glanced on it inside of our discussion here, but we didn't have a point that was specifically dedicated to it. So my dossier has got to be the initial discussion with Fitz and Simmons. We had addressed this previously, but it really does deserve some more attention, mostly because Fitz, Fitz has had such an interesting roller coaster for me and probably everybody listening to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, mostly because this is the guy that was thumping the side of his head, plexing two and a half seasons ago that I absolutely abhorred. Like, and, and they even mention that yeah. in the episode. Yeah, and, and that they can bother 
to explain outright and then showcase outright the, the journey that has been created by and for a character in prelude to what we get to be witness to inside this episode. Mm -hmm. How could that not be someone's dossier? And well, by the way, it's mine. <laughs> it, it is magical. The, the, the magic tricks that are paid off inside of this episode are as good as any magician you'll see inside of Vegas presenting. It's, it's super impactful inside mm -hmm. this episode. That's where we ask you guys what's inside your dossier inside this episode. Season 5, episode 14, The Devil Complex. Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's agentsofshield.tv. Click anywhere on the right-hand side, fill out the quick web form, and contact us to tell us what you think. Ah, the always inevitable rating for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, reviewing Season 5, Episode 14, The Devil Complex, here during the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. The scale works thusly. 10 is on top of the mountain, the extraction of all that is awesome into my hand. Down at the one is something we're not going to have to worry about for a long time, methinks. <laughs> it's bad, anyway. Everything starts at a seven. That's average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick? There are no halvesies. What do you got, Nick? Ten. Good. I have a ten, too. Thanks for listening to the yeah, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Exactly. Where else That's can the we thing. go? What else are we going to talk about? What else can we possibly That's talk about? That's the thing. We've already, we've already mentioned that this, this episode <laughs> right here would have feels like a more impactful episode to where it should have been the 100th episode. Yeah. I get the fact that the 100th episode was culminated in the marriage mm -hmm. of Fitz and Simmons. Mm -hmm. But just imagine, just imagine if episode 100 was this and there was no marriage yet, but it was supposed to happen. And then Dr. Leopold shows up. Now... Fitz and Simmons don't get married because everybody thinks Fitz has gone off his rocker and is evil. I'm not necessarily saying that that's a better way of going with it's things. Not. You suck. Oh yeah, I'm 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 a horrible storyteller. <laughs> but if you look at the episode progression, episode 100 was episode 12 of this season, oh. 11 or 12. But look at it, they get married. Two episodes later. Now they're separated because he's gone batshit crazy. That's a little eh, for me. That that kind of seems oh, so we ju we got them together officially, full on married, just so we could tear them apart two episodes later. Why why do that when you could have them almost be together and then rip them apart again? Keep doing the same thing that you have been doing every single time they get closer where their relationship is concerned, it's one step forward, two steps back. Mm -hmm. But that's been the relationship. And then you change it by actually making getting them married, and then two episodes later, they're apart again. I'm not, again, yeah, it's... it's so you it's, hated this episode. I hated this episode. <laughs> I hated this episode so much that it took my You're... rating from 37 <laughs> down to 36. Oh, but since I can't say it's a 36 episode, Mike, I can only say it's a 10. It's a 10. It's a, well, here, th this will, 
This will help put into paralysis any negative connotations because this is the Peter Parker factor. <laughs> i.e., wow, look at this wonderful life that I have. Ooh, wow, look at my hot girlfriend slash going to be my wife. Ooh, wow, everything's awesome. And then it's not. Yeah, I know all about the Parker so, luck. This is it. I, I, and this I get it. it. And I get it. And this like I said, no I'm question. not really, I'm not complaining. I'm nitpicking. <laughs> it's a good nitpick, though. It's a good nitpick. But it's still uh, 10. I, right. And in case everybody didn't remember that I also said 10, I give this episode... A 10, because it needs a 10. And something else that I wanted to also talk about is episode numbers. If this was not my perfect sample to exemplify why I will never number an episode of any podcast I have, mm. this is why. Because rather than it being episode 100 where all the awesome happens, it's not. It's the devil complex. That's where all the awesome happens. And so it didn't matter that it was 100 and it really didn't. I, I we can look at that as an, a, a timeline achievement because it is a television program. Absolutely, right? Yes. You can't go. Wow! Now that you can jump into um, syndication. Now that you can jump into syndication. Wow! Awesome. Well, yes, of course, awesome. Yeah. But that it has to be the pinnacle of storytelling. Also, no, I don't. I, I don't actually share that because it's just the number. For those that are curious about my aversion to numbers. I will give you the sample of two podcasts that I listen to that I really do like, especially when the content concerns me or someone is on the podcast that I care at all about. Mm. One is the Joe Rogan podcast. I don't like every guest that Joe Rogan brings on, but I do like that he delivers some really opposite thinking ideas that you can then listen to what they talk about, and then you can go and research on your own. That's awesome. That's a right. great right, way to yeah. deliver uh, the the inception moments of critical thinking, which is exactly what we deliver inside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and anything that I want to have purpose in. Mm -hmm. Being able to have critical thinking moments that you get to also choose on, that's a piece of my mandate inside of what we deliver. doesn't matter what program it is. Inside of Joe Rogan's podcast is episode 1095. That's ridiculous. Wow. Good what for it him. Also, yeah, what it also is, though, is the episode where the Joe Rogan experience ushers in TJ English and Joey Diaz. Now, Joey Diaz has been inside of, I don't know, a thousand podcasts for Joe Rogan. He's been on a lot of them, not a thousand, but a bunch. Mm -hmm. And so if it was only him, then it would be a problem, but it would be Joe Rogan and Joey Diaz too. Or that's when numbers do work. But where it doesn't work is when you get to 1,095. That's the first sample podcast. Yeah, the other show that I'm going to mention here, because of the peculiar numbering of it, is the Geek News Central podcast from Todd Cochran, whom I really like. Todd is, Todd is a pioneer inside of podcasting in general. And his Geek News Central podcast is now in episode 1,209. And it's just where... The numbers become so amorphous that I, I don't really have any action to, to tell you when I go, oh, yeah, it's episode 1,209. What is it that's talked about inside that episode would be your next question. And the answer is taking the tech away. Okay, I'd rather search by that because then it also gives me a, any concept of what's going to be talked about inside the episode. Right. And so, again... The, the focus on numbering is something I would tell everybody to get off of because it allows you the meat topic of what your podcast episode is about as opposed to just another number. 
The other thing I would tell you to do is I'd like you to look at your podcast statistics and tell me how many times your whatever cool podcast name.com forward slash 17 is accessed. And if you can tell me that thousands of people are coming to your show notes based on that you have structured a number inside of a URL find inside of your domain name, I will eat my hat. I'm just telling you. That's, He's wearing a very big hat, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. It's a very big hat. <laughs> I'm just telling you that that's not the way people think, at least not in general. There are some that will if you go uh, agentsofshield.com forward slash 514. Okay, I get it. But how about it works out either the fifth episode the, or the fifth season, 14th episode, or you go devil complex. Because if you go on the front end of our entire podcast net network of thousands of episodes and you type in devil complex, guess what you find? The just en- this. The entire episode with all the cool show notes. So again, it's just, it's another way to think in regard to podcasting especially if you are a podcast creator, which we don't really talk about a lot inside of this podcast because it's not what this program is No, that's not what it's about. But I am curious about hearing from you if you do search that way too. If you need to have an episode number to help you find what it is you're looking for, go over to our website and let's talk about that. Go over to agentsofshield.tv, click anywhere on the right-hand side, inside the the contact form, fill it out and tell us how you search inside of podcast content. And while you're at it, you can let us know what your rating for this oh, episode yeah. of Agents of Shield, yeah. episode fourteen from season five, right. the Devil Complex. Let us know, and if it's not a ten, come on. Yeah, if, really? it's, not, if it's not a fourteen, go listen to some other podcast. We don't need you. <laughs> so until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts, and I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. thankful you were able to review this covert communication reviewing the most recent episode of marvel's agents of shield a chronicle of the stories and soon-to-be legends on abc be sure to tune in to our ongoing top secret communication with agents all over the globe via our facebook presence immediately facebook.com forward slash shield podcast to be the first to be made aware of agents of shield news the arrival of our newest reviews and more the agents of shield podcast a super show for fans of superheroes. Uncover the mysteries, critical information, and reviews now by accessing agentsofshield.tv. That's agentsofshield.tv. End this top secret two guys talking communication.
inside the fifth season, 14th episode of a program issued by Screensaver. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> There's your Easter egg. Wow, yeah, that was short. That was okay. easy. Uh, time, blah. A generally easy Shanghai. This was because you're using puns here. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) A generally easy shan. Fuck you. (laughs) Every time we come back from break, we listen to Nick's chair fart, and every time we come back from break, it's time to crack open our Nick's chair farting. The devil complex, not the devil's complex. Thank you. He doesn't have a, an apartment building that he sublets. The devil complex, right? The devil. Yes, thank you. 